Hey, it's the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. It's Monday morning, and wait a second. This is a weird voice to hear at the beginning. What, what's going on here? That's right. It's Tristan H. Cockroft. H is for happy starting off the show, but I, I don't know. What, what happened to Eric Carabell? I can't find him anywhere. I, oh, gosh. I, I've, got, I've got a breaking news alert. Oh, injured terribly in a softball game. I don't, we're going to have to find somebody to pinch hit for him. I, don't, I really don't. Oh, wait a minute. There he is. There's Eric. There he is. Eric, what happened? We're worried about you. I, we had a big incident in a softball game this weekend. What's going on? Could you be meaner? Could you be meaner? <laughs> no, this is a great story. We're talking about this off offline just beforehand. So we got to get into this one. We got Dave Schoenfield joining us again on Monday. Always great to have Dave on here. Come on. This is a good story. You got to tell it for us. I'm not telling you any story. I'm in good shape, dude. <laughs> you I'm are. Mm, story, story. We admire, we admire I, you. I made a catch over the fence, left field fence, where I jumped real high. I snow coned it. I crashed into this fence. I'm fine. I'm not injured. I feel great. I think you're just jealous. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm like the Matt Kemp of my softball team. I used to be really, really good, and now I'm fighting back for a job. <laughs> oh, I want to see somebody who's listening to the show come up with animated gifts of each of us making this play because the one of me would probably be not pretty. <laughs> Pieces of me would be going in every direction. <laughs> I acknowledge that Dave is in the best shape of the three of us. Hi, Dave. How are you? All I can say is it's, I, it sounds a lot better than the last time I saw you diving on a softball field. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let's bring up fond memories. That's just awesome. Oh, boy. I have to live with the guilt of that, Eric, that I was the pitcher who delivered the pitch when you destroyed your elbow. If you threw a better that. pitch. Oh. The guilt. I've been living with this for 20 years. Hey, the least you could have done is serve up a home run so there would have been no question about the play. How could you? Oh, I gave up a few of those, believe me. <laughs> I, don't I don't understand how that, that happened in the first inning and you guys kept playing without me. Nice. <laughs> have we all well, had yeah have that we, is true it was an important game what can i say we had to <laughs> dave what's your uh worst softball injury worst softball well that's one reason i quit i got sick of those line drives coming back at my head um yeah no, i slid once into second base but instead of sliding on my hip i slid like on the side of my leg and just totally gashed up like my calf like it like mm -hmm. bad so I, got, too bad. I got nailed in the hand right here on a line drive while pitching, and my hand was numb for a day after that. Yeah, and then yeah. I had the, as catcher, I had my left thumb pulled all the way back on a tag at home plate. The worst thing I hated was like pitching the left-handed batters outside because those suckers would just line it right up the middle. So I'm like, I don't care. I'll pitch it inside. Yank a home run if you want. Did you ever get the righties who were trying to go to right field and the best they could do is line it right back at you? <laughs> I don't know. I always had the trouble with the lefties hitting it right back at me. But yeah, the, no, I gave that up. It was, it, you know, it's scary. You're 40 feet from home plate or whatever. All right. This has been Fantasy Football Softball. Thank you for listening <laughs> to our show today. Um, on Thursday, we're going to talk actual baseball because it's opening day. Um, so anyway, we have weekend news, uh, players signing and then not signing. Uh, <laughs> we had weekend baseball. So let me ask you both, um, did you watch? I mean, I watched Yankees-Mets. I watched the Phillies-Orioles on Sunday. Um, I don't think it's so much I'm learning much about fantasy. It's not like I'm going to draft Austin Hayes because I saw him or Jordan Montgomery. He looked great, by the way, for the Yankees. 
Um, but it was nice to see baseball. It's a little weird without fans. I'll grant that. But it's real baseball starting on Thursday. And and uh, how much did you guys watch this weekend? Did you learn anything that might affect your drafts? So I actually have not watched fully any of the live games. I watch a lot of the replays and the highlights. Uh, I did watch a good portion of the Pirates and Indians game, the one where Joe Musgrove threw pretty effectively. Wanted to get a little bit of a read on the Pirates bullpen situation. Didn't get much of anything from that. I guess Nick Birdie was the closest to being effective in that game. But no, it's it's two weekend games worth of exhibitions. I just don't think there's enough of a sample to draw major meaningful conclusions. Dave, did you watch? Yeah, I watched uh, all of the Yankees-Mets on Saturday, a little bit yesterday. Like you said, it's a little weird without the fans, but it's going to be okay. And once the intensity picks up in the regular season, it's going to be fun. Um, well, Max Moroff is not making the Mets. He made, I think, three throwing errors in that game. <laughs> um, the one guy I was watching was Edwin Diaz. He came in Saturday. I think he only, they only had him throw 15 pitches. What did he do? I think he gave up a hit. There was an error and a strikeout, throwing 96, 97. So you couldn't really read too much into it. He didn't look, you know, really sharp. Um, but, you know, I'm still counting on him to be the Mets closer. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, even, with, how- uh, even with JR's Familia throwing well in that game. Yeah, Familia did throw well that game, you know. And, of course, you know, they got Betances and Seth Lugo. Really good bullpen. Look, it's going to be a short leash. I mean, that's a key. You guys have talked about that, right? Any closer, you're going to have a short leash with a short season. Right. So we're still guessing about the Pirates closer and the Astros closer. Asuna is probably not going to be ready this week. Um, Tristan, I mean, I have a couple drafts this week, but you seem to have like two a night. So what are you doing with, I mean, what, like, what last minute things are you doing for your drafts? Not just closers. I mean, I would say a third of all closer situations are up in the air, but. I mean, Freddie Freeman is back now, so you can draft him in round two or three. But there's some other players that aren't going to be ready for opening day. So how do you react? What last-minute news for your drafts? So I'm, I'm trying to put less actual investment in relief pitchers. Uh, I got a, a situation where I actually handcuffed the Ryan Helsley and Gio, uh, Giovanni Gallegos for the Cardinals late in one of my drafts. Wasn't willing to pay a premium for any of the top guys. Uh, I'm finding it's easy to get pitching at good prices, and it's actually very difficult to get steals. There is a huge premium that has been paid on the drafts I've done so far on Malik Smith. I found that a little bit surprising. He has gone very early or for a large auction bid, so steals are at a major premium in these drafts that I've seen. Dave, is Malik Smith even going to – is he a leadoff hitter for Seattle full-time now? You know, hold on here. I'm looking at their rosters. I was just reading one of the local writers projecting the lineup – and I'm trying to think of who the player was that I guess has looked really good this spring. I mean, Shed Long, I think, is a leadoff hitter. Yeah, Long will probably hit leadoff. Um, I'm looking at the Mariners' outfield here. Yeah, I guess it's going to be Smith because Jake Fraley apparently has struggled. Um, Actually, yeah, I'd be yeah. careful about Malik Smith. Like, I understand that there's a premium on stolen bases, but – I mean, Dave, I don't remember if it was the article that you wrote about the most exciting themes and teams and players or somebody else at ESPN MLB, but like, I don't think a lot of bases are going to be stolen. I mean, even by Malik Smith. I mean, if he's batting ninth, I mean, he's going to steal 15 bases in two months. I just don't buy it. Yeah, you guys know better than me the value of that. Uh, you know, we know there's not many steals, right? I mean, Ronald Acuna led the NL with 37 last year. 
I don't think guys like Yelich are going to run. If you're counting on steals from Christian Yelich, I think that's a mistake. You know, I think the superstars, they're not going to risk it in a 60-game season. I could be wrong. It could be regular baseball, pro rate last year's steals over 60 games. Uh, if Malik Smith plays, he's going to run. I just don't know. I don't think he's that good. I don't know how much he's going to play if they call up Jared Kellenic. That's. I was going to ask you about Kellenic. Actually, he's played well so far. Dave, what do he, you think? I mean, yeah, did you see him? he's. I've watched some highlights. He's had. He's looked really good in inter squad games, which means nothing. The writers say he's definitely not going to break camp with team. One report I read suggested he probably won't even get called up this year. I would play. Look, he has more minor league at bats than Juan Soto or Bryce Harper had. I'm not saying he's on that level, but he's had time in the minors. I would. I think he's going to be up, but no guarantee according to the Mariner beat writers. And we should note here that pretty much I think all prospects are going to be held down in the minor leagues for at least five, six days so the teams can have an extra year of service time for them. Um, I know the Phillies are talking about this with Spencer Howard. He might start six days into the season. Um, Dylan Carlson, the Cardinals have all but admitted he's going to be a regular on their team, but not in the first week of the season um, uh, Toronto has an opening in the rotation now. Chase Anderson goes on the injured list. Nate Pearson, I think, is starting one week into the season. So I drafted Nate Pearson as a top 40 starting pitcher in a, uh, a slow draft over the weekend. And my next pick, I'm going to take Spencer Howard because I'd rather have these guys than somebody like Dallas Keuchel who might have more certainty to him but no upside. So while people in my league are taking these guys, I'm going to take these prospects, take a chance on upside, because even if they don't pitch or they're bad, there's going to be guys available that come on to the scene. Let's talk about weekend news here ever so briefly. Yasiel Puig is no longer a member of Atlanta. He Late last week, he tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. And as opposed to just getting better with Atlanta, they made him a free agent again. So this is kind of interesting, guys. Atlanta can go on. First of all, I'm a little angry that I redid my rankings to put Puig in round 13, and now I have to take him out all again. And I am taking him out. He's not signing, obviously, this week with anybody. So Yasiel Puig becomes undraftable right now in a league. But let's also talk about what Atlanta might do. Tristan, first for you on Puig, out of your rankings, I presume. Um, no reason to stash him. Do you agree with that? Actually, I, I do think he's still borderline draft worthy in anything larger than our standard game. So you're right that he's out of our consideration. But if you're in leagues where you can stash the player, and I would say especially the NL onlys, I would still do so. I actually do think he is still going to end up with the Braves. I just think it's going to be noticeably delayed. Uh, it feels to me an awful lot like those uh, pre-signing physicals that players fail or there's some questions in and then they make a, an agreement down the road. So I think we're still going to see Puig at some point. I think he's too much trouble. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on Atlanta's outfield slash DH situation. Uh, according to the Fangraphs roster resource, they've got Austin Riley as their DH, pushing Marcelo Zuna, who's not a good defender, back into left field. Um, Pache looms, an excellent defender who can hit left-handed pitching. So I think Atlanta doesn't – I don't think Atlanta needs him. I mean, obviously he'd be an upgrade, but how much of one? What do you think happens with Puig? Would you draft him in a league? Yeah, no, I mean, I guess there's a chance maybe that he what, goes to the Rockies and that you kind of have to keep that in your back pocket. But no, he, there's just too much red flags with that guy that teams don't like. I don't know if he's going to sign with the Braves. 
I, I think Adam Duvall is going to get more playing time. You know, very good defensive outfielder. I think their best team has him in the outfield with Azuna DHing. Um, I like Riley. You guys know I have him in a sim team, but can't hit righties, terrible strike zone judgment. Uh, he might be a platoon bat at best. So I think Duvall, but I don't know if Duvall is really a fantasy option there. So, I mean, I think in a deeper league, Duvall is an – I'd rather draft Duvall than Austin Riley, actually. Uh, but I'm not sure what plan is going – well, I'm not, I just don't think Riley's going to hit for average. And he's not Pete Alonzo. So that's my problem there. Whereas Duvall, I think, can hit 260 with power. Uh, but they might just use Camargo at third, Riley at DH, Pache. Um, you know, you alluded to the Colorado Rockies. I, Matt Kemp is not only made – I mean, we can laugh about this, and it seems funny. But it's really not very funny to me because not only did Matt Camp make the Rockies, he homered off John Gray to like 500 feet to center field in a weekend soiree. He's going to start, Dave. Matt Kemp is going to start for Colorado. And anybody that has already drafted Sam Hilliard is going to be deeply disappointed here. That guy had 35 homers and 22 steals in AAA last year. And the Rockies are renowned for doing this. They're going to play Kemp. They really are. For years, Colorado has kept their young players and they've not used them properly. Now, Kemp's a terrible defender, so maybe he's their everyday DH. But I I don't even want to say he won't hit. Two years ago, he hit 290 with power in the majors. I know you're you're smiling and laughing at me, and it's ridiculous, (laughs) but it's going to happen. Tell me it's not going to – Matt Kemp is going to be the everyday number five hitter for the Colorado Rockies, I think. You have to think about him. You have to draft him over Puig. So here – Tristan, I don't know what you think. Two years ago, yeah, he had a good year, but first half, 310, 15 homers. Second half, 255, six homers. And that first half was like the first time he'd been good in, what, four or five years. You know, and then he was so bad with the Reds last year, they, you know, cut him after a month. I don't this think it's going to last. This is Francisco, Dave. This is Coors Field. I know. I know. He could put together is- three good weeks. Look, we're. We're, we're highlighting the fact this is a good option in a daily league where you can mix and match your matchups. Take all the cores games. Take the ones against lefties. You'll know the lineups in advance. I think there will be a lot of night games. You'll get those lineups rolled out bright and early so you can make your moves. And in Kemp's case, I actually liken this to the Hanley Ramirez in Boston situation. Uh, two years ago, I think it was, where he made the team. Everybody laughed about it, and he still gave you some decent matchup opportunities. Why would you take Puig over Camp in a draft right now this week, Tristan? I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me. One of them has what, a job, the and league? the other does not. That, the, this is a league context question. If you're talking broadly, and, and let's say it's a 15-team mixed, Puig is going to deliver you more over the course of this year, I think, than Matt Camp will. He's not going to play. For- he is not going to play. Nobody wants to deal with him. Atlanta had regrets right away. Camp's a platoon guy at this point. Camp's going to mix and match guy. He's not going to play every day. All right. I mean, I, I see your point. I hate this for Garrett Hampson. I think you're right. The Kemp DHs, Murphy's at first, McMahon's at second, and Garrett yes. Hampson's on the bench again. Yeah, Hampson and Hilliard are not going to play. I, I know we're thinking different things here about the league context and all that, but Matt Kemp is homering th- this pending weekend. And on next Monday's show, I'm going to remind you of this. And Yasel Puig, in three weeks when, when he's still unemployed, I'm going to remind you of that too. But this is the thing. We're not, we're not dismissing the idea that Kemp is going to contribute something. It's just that I think you're going to have to mix and match with him. I think in our game, he's more valuable than he is in the weekly leagues. Let's talk about Franchi Cordero. He's a member of the Royals now. He was traded for reliever Tim Hill late last week. 
And again, this might be a guy that doesn't matter. We'll get to some bigger names in the show. I mean, we're talking about Puig, Kemp, and Franchi Cordero. So yes, I see a theme of irrelevant players, but this could be a relevant player. I mean, we've all paid attention to Franchi Cordero the past couple of years. Dave, San Diego never gave him a, a real shot because they have too many outfitters and they love Will Myers for some reason. But now he's in Kansas City. Franchi's going to play. He does have power. He may have struck out while I was saying that, but he, he can be a relevant player, right? Or wrong? No, I mean, he's got about as good a set of tools as any prospect. He just doesn't know a ball from a strike. Um, you know, maybe worth a roll of the dice. I'd rather take a chance on him than uh, Will Myers, to be honest. Look, the odds of him ever learning the strike zone and making enough contact are slim, but sometimes it comes together. He's still only 25 years old. So, Tristan, in a standard league, okay, I'm not being facetious here, in a standard ESPN league, rank uh, for me Kemp, Cordero, and Puig. Or, or say none are worth worth drafting in a standard 10-team. I guess our, our standard is what? a, uh, a ten, It's a 10-team, five outfield, uh, three bench, the three IL. It, right, but it, it's, whether, it's, whether it's points or head-to-head or, or head-to-head categories, to me it's irrelevant. None of the three is even a consideration. Okay, I would, I would let's go, move on. I would go Puig, I would go Kemp, I would go Cordero. I'm with you guys that there could be something there. It's a terrible ballpark for his power, and that's all he's got. I like that's him. That's a good pitcher. point. He's a Even good defensive the, the, the American League leader in home runs last year played in that ballpark, so I don't want to say yeah. ter- I don't want to say terrible anymore because that, that look what he yeah. I'm not saying he has Jorge Soler power. I'm just saying, come on, ballpark I, only means so point. much. I'm glad you brought up Soler because it's the first thing I thought of. We should not be totally dismissive of Cordero. Freddie Freeman now has to move up on our rankings. The Braves think he's going to be able to play on opening day. That's good. Shohei Otani through this weekend, 22 batters, uh, five hits, six strikeouts, four walks, which isn't so good. But the Angels appear to be going every Sunday with him. Dave, you talked about Otani in your article today. Um, He's going to pitch, we think, only on Sundays. But how much will he DH? Because in an ESPN league, you want to draft this guy. You get one start a week. In a weekly league, I still think there's a lot of risk here because if he gets bumped a day, you get no pitching stats for that week. And how much will he hit three, four times a day? But give me your overall thoughts on Otani. Yeah, I mean, if they use him like they did two years ago, he would use. If he pitches on Sunday, he's not playing Saturday. He's not playing Monday. You know, so at the most, that's you know, DH is four times a week. They want it. You know, they're going to still play Pujols, so I don't know if that means Otani sits against lefties. You know, I don't know. I mean, so he might only DH three times a week. That's the risk with, with you know, having him on your roster. I think Pujols is the everyday first baseman, and Otani DHs, and when he's not available, they move other players in and out. Like David Fletcher could play. LaStella could be the DH one day. Pujols could. Um, give me your thoughts, Tristan, here on Otani. I still feel like I don't really want to – take him in an ESPN league because it, like you were shaking your head when I said, well, if he's pitching every Sunday in a weekly and then on Friday we find out he has a cold and he's, and he's bumped, that means he doesn't pitch that all that week. Yeah. And they'll be planning around that with the DH things. So just to use this opening scoring period of, of 11 days and only 10 of them are the angels. They start with the Friday games. He can only DH six of those 10 games, mathematically speaking by their plan, because they don't have a day off. So he's going to throw two of the Sundays that we have in this. Then he is also going to sit out the Saturday and the Sunday afterwards. As a matter of fact, I'm not even doing my math right. That would take five games out. So he's five out of 10. So he's only going to start at DH 
half of the games in the opening scoring period, right there you're going to get an illustration of what Otani gives to you. And it's great for us in the daily leagues where you can mix and match him. I, it hurts him a lot everywhere else. All right, let's change the subject now to the Toronto Blue Jays, or should I say the Buffalo Blue Jays or Pittsburgh or Dunedin. Um, as of the taping of this show on Monday morning, we do not know where Toronto's Blue Jays will be playing their home games. But I got to say, good for Canada, okay? You made the right decision. Your southern neighbor has not figured this out at all. So do not let um, – I, I don't – whatever. So, Tristan, I, I want your thoughts here on p- potential park factors. I mean, we're just guessing that they play their home games in Buffalo, which is a A ballpark. But if they do, that would affect – um, what we expect from the hitters and the pitchers on the Blue Jays and perhaps in other American League East teams because they're going to be playing road games in that ballpark. If they play in Pittsburgh, that's an extreme pitcher's park. If they play in Dunedin, I think it's hitters. I don't know why they want to go to Florida right now. So you tell me, Tristan, um, how much of a big deal is it when Toronto's Blue Jays tell us all where they'll be playing their home games? So it's not a huge deal in recent years because the Rogers Center hadn't pl- been playing quite as homer friendly as it was about five years ago during the the premium Jose Bautista when Encarnacion um, Josh Donaldson years. Uh, it was slightly above average for power. It was uh, slightly below average for runs scored. I mean, we're talking it was as neutral as it gets. If they wind up in Pittsburgh, that's where we're going to be able to make a fantasy reaction here because that really suppresses right-handed power. And you know, on the Blue Jays, they, they do have a couple of right-handed power bats. So temper your expectations a buck or two for those types. Buffalo, I don't know. I took a quick look at that. There's no clean park factor I can pull from that, but the measurements are similar to Rogers. So the only thing that's different to me is that it's more outdoors. It's not as controlled an environment. Right. Yeah, go ahead. No, the one thing I'd heard about Buffalo is the lights there are not great. But I'm with you, Tristan. I tried to look into some park factors and didn't really see anything. So maybe it's a, a neutral park. But I don't know. You know, the lights might be a factor if they end up there. Right. And our colleague Todd Zola looked into the park factors, but it only compares Buffalo's ballpark to the other AAA ballparks in that league. So it wouldn't give us much of an answer for the major league. So we'll be on the lookout to see what happens there. But I got to tell you, even if it's Pittsburgh, I mean, maybe I would dock Vlad Guerrero and Boba Shedd a little bit, but I'm not even sure I would. I really like these young players, as we talked about on the last show. Tris, was it last Monday or Thursday that Tristan and I had the argument about Vlad Guerrero in the Hall of Fame? Did they, Dave, did oh, you hear that, that argument? Last, it was last Monday. Okay, yeah, so that's we already been through that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No. So it's all melt together for me. They're so good that I just can't I can't separate how the greatness of these shows. Are you, I'll defend your Vlad uh, comment there that if they wind up in Pittsburgh, it's going to help left-handed pitchers for the Blue Jays for matchups. So it's you're talking about the daily nitpicking, and that's about it. Right. And again, it's a small sample size of a season to start with. <laughs> They're only playing 30 home games. And if they go to Pittsburgh, I think I read, like, they still, there's some, ca- like, uh, there's some days where Pittsburgh's at home and Toronto's at home, so they can't even play there those days. So this is kind of a mess, but anybody's picking on uh, Canada, no, don't do that. Um, let me ask you a little bit about the weekend performances because, I mean, watching the Yankees yesterday, Jordan Montgomery and Jonathan Loizaga, or Lasagna, whatever his name is called, um, I'm not picking on him. I just don't know how to pronounce it. Tristan, please pronounce Jonathan's last name for me and tell me who would you rather draft between Johnny Lasagna and Jordan Montgomery, and would you draft them in an ESPN standard? 
<laughs> so it's Jonathan Loizaga. Uh, he's been hanging around as kind of the swingman, sixth starter, long reliever for several years. He's got some interesting stuff, but an injury history. So I'm wary. I don't. I. I j- that's a guy who I don't trust to stay healthy enough to give you a fantasy contribution. I actually like Montgomery a lot. I did before the surgery, and while we didn't see much of any evidence last year, I at least like the positive vibe so far during the summer camp. And I would throw a dart at him in the last round of a, an ESPN draft. Dave, uh, Jordan Montgomery, we've heard that name before, uh, but I think we have to pay more attention to starting pitchers on the really good teams, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros. I mean, we've been talking about Jose O'Quitty for four months. Why wouldn't we draft Jordan Montgomery where we are O'Quitty at this point? We know he's in the rotation. He can't yeah. miss bats, right? No, I mean, look, this guy was a, a good pitcher as a rookie back in 2017. Um, you know, he's healthy after Tommy John. He's going to get some wins on that team. They won 103 games last year without Garrett Cole, without Stanton, you know, half a year from from Aaron Judge. So um, I'm with Tristan. Throw a dart at Jordan Montgomery for sure. And in terms of other weekend stuff here, I mean, D.D. Gregorius stood out to me a little bit. Now, he's wearing a full mask while he's playing, um, you know, because he has this ailment that he had, uh, a kidney ailment, I think, or back in the day, and he wants to be safe. And I say good for him. But he also had a three-run homer off Max Scherzer, and he looked good doing it. So while Bryce Harper, I, my hair is not quite as long as Bryce's. I don't know if you saw him bat this weekend, but his hair is glorious down to the shoulders. <laughs> Gregorius, though, is different. I mean, we're all drafting Harper in round three. I don't think anybody really knows for sure where to take Gregorius because last year, low batting average, terrible on base percentage, missed half the year coming back from Tommy John. Dave, I'll ask you first, can DDB – um, a top 10 fantasy shortstop. I mean, Cody hit 15 home runs this season. Would that shock you? Uh, 15 might be a little high. I think some of his power was definitely a result of that short porch at Yankee Stadium. I know Philly's a good home run park. You know, last year, hard to evaluate him as he came back from Tommy John. Um, he's a little older. The strikeout to walk ratio scares me. I think top 10 is pushing it. Tristan, is he is he a fifteenth round pick earlier or later? I think he's later, but I, I that sounds damning of his talent. The problem is that shortstop is so much deeper than people realize it is. I, I've and I've had people comment on that in several of the drafts. I think he's a good bargain option once he slips beyond the 15th round. At that point, he should be rising quickly up your board, one of your next few picks. I agree with you. He, has, he does have the power potential. The park is still favorable enough to help him. And by the way, one thing you can glean from these uh, preseason summer training games is, is what a pitcher wants to do with his lineup and rotation. So we know, like, Philadelphia's opening day starter, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, day two, Musgrove for Pittsburgh. They all pitch Saturday, so you know what they're doing for next weekend. But the lineups, Philadelphia's lineup this weekend, McCutcheon, Harper, Real Muto, Jay Bruce as the DH, Hoskins, DD6, Scott Kingery's buried at number eight. So... That's a that's something against him for fantasy. He's not going to steal bases. Um, Pittsburgh's lineup guys had Adam Frazier, the second baseman, batting third between uh, Brian Reynolds and Josh Bell, which I thought was pretty interesting. So, um, did you glean anything from line? And Robinson Cano batting third for the Mets is just stupefying to me. But they they're going to do this. So, Dave, I'll start with you. Lineups matter in fantasy. You want guys hitting at the top of the order. Robinson Cano batting third for the Mets is a very big deal for him. Here, I got a question for Tristan. 
So with the DH now in the NL, that's more RBI opportunities for like the number two Pete Alonso batting second for the Mets. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot more sense with a DH and a position player now hitting ninth. He's going to have those RBI. I don't know what the swing is there, you know, especially over a 60-game season. But, yeah, number two hitters, more RBI opportunities in the National League this year. Gosh, if, if I had to guess, it had to be at least 100 points of OBP for the number nine spots between leagues. At yeah. least when you're talking about the, the ones using the DH or the pitcher rule, depending on where the game was played. That's just a guess. It might be larger than that. So I, I agree. Yeah, I would be all in on those number two hitters. We've talked about this a lot before in the AL, especially when Mike Trout had been moved in there several years back. I think this is now going to apply across the board. I like your thoughts on Alonzo. And by the way, the Mets might bat Ahmad Rosario ninth, and the Phillies are batting Adam Hazley ninth. I think he's going to get on base at like a three thirty clip. So Bryce Harper sitting second for the Phillies. Uh, Burt Reynolds, Brian Reynolds for Pittsburgh is batting second. Not Burt Reynolds, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Gator. Um, he, he's a Commodore, a Vanderbilt, not a Gator. Anyway, the fact that like managers realize. Dave, could you tell us briefly why the number two spot in a lineup is more important than number three? Managers realize, because there's been studies here, Fangrass, baseball perspectives, baseball perspectives, number two hitter is more important than number three hitter. It's, it goes like two, four, one, then three, right? Yeah, yeah. All the sabermetric studies suggest putting your best hitter number two in a way because it's both an on-base part of the lineup, and it's an RBI part of the lineup. And the, 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 the reason you don't hit your best hitter number three is if the first inning, your first two guys get out, he's hitting with nobody on base and two outs, you know, not a high-scoring, uh, you know, run opportunity there. So we're see- it's a lot different from the 1970s and 80s, Eric, when Larry Bola would bat second. But, you know, Pete Alonso hitting second, that tells you just how all in these managers are now on sabermetrics. And, and the point I want to make here about the DH is that the number nine hitters can hit now. So, right. you know, you might think, oh, Bryce Harper and Pete Alonso are not going to knock in that many runs. I don't think it affects their RBI chances all that much moving from three to two in the lineup. I've got a sim league where Yelich bats second. He might not knock in 100, but, man, he's having a hell of a season. So, And they're going to score more runs because you're going to have – you know, good hitters coming up behind them hitting third and fourth. And the other two, they're, they're going to they're gonna have a, a greater chance of coming to bat an extra time in the game, which we've talked about. And and briefly, do we do we think that Robinson Cano is now more worthy of being drafted in a fantasy league? Like, why would you draft D.D. over Cano? Cano's going to bat third for the Mets, okay? D.D.'s going to bat sixth. I, I would think their power potential is pretty even here. I haven't been considering Cano, but if the Mets think he can bat third and, and he looks good hitting, why do we think he can't get back to his old self? Don't, don't knock your guy. Didi's got more power potential, I think, than Cano. Cano is a little bit better for batting average, but at this stage of his career, can we really lock that in? Yeah. Well, look, I, I, if you look at recent years, Cano did nothing, but like, like I, I don't see why you're going to think I'm crazy, but why can guys like Cano and Kemp not hit? Just because they didn't hit last year, we're viewing their Latin, their numbers from last year and saying that's the new baseline. But I don't believe that. I, I'm I'm just saying that if you look at the way that they approach hitting, I think that Didi is more power oriented than Cano is. I think it's a pretty noticeable difference between them. But I do think Cano hits for a higher average, and it might be by twenty five points. All right. I mean, what do you Dave, what do you have him at, Tristan? He hit two fifty six last year. 
303 the year before when he had the PED suspension. For Cano? Yeah. I think it could be 275 versus 250 for these two. That's fair. And that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big deal. I mean, the, you, you, the question you, you raised was, does this help him batting third? Yes, it absolutely does. I just don't think he was that interesting in our game in the first place because he was a late round pick. But in everything deeper, yeah, Cano becomes more interesting. I mean, especially because <laughs> Wild Boar guy is batting cleanup for the Mets. So if, if you want to assess hits, then Cano is hitting between Alonzo and Cespedes. That's a really attractive lineup spot. I, I'm not trying to like say I'm going to draft Robbie Cano in round 15 now, but in a deeper league, I would absolutely consider drafting Cano now and Cespedes. I am actually on board that they are going to be back and that lineup is going to be good. I, I really th- am. Eric, what do you think? He had that Cespedes had that play Saturday night, a ground ball. He didn't hustle the first base. Yeah, he never will. It's like it's an exhibition game. Hard to read anything into it, but Keith Hernandez certainly was talking about it. What does it mean? Is he healthy? It probably makes sense for him not to run all out in an exhibition games. So I don't want to read anything into it, but we're not sure if his feet and legs are 100% here either. It, it's, it's all fair, but Cespedes has never been a bad hitter. Okay, I mean, like, his floor is pretty high if he plays. But, like, when we talk about Stanton and Judge, who, by the way, I, I didn't realize until I was watching the the uh, the Michael K- the the show the, the the game yesterday. Michael K noticed this. They've only homered together in the same game once. Stanton and Judge. <laughs> I didn't verify this, but maybe it's true. But when we talk about Stanton and Judge, like I don't think Cespedes has the ceiling of those guys, but Cespedes has a really high floor for power, and his batting average has never been a two thirty hitter. So. I'm more likely to take Cespedes in round 25 than I am Stanton or Judge in round four. What What is your floor for him? Give me the, the homers and the RBI. He stays healthy. What's the floor if he's healthy? Well, look, it's all 60-game you know, context dependent. But if it was 106, like for 2021, if Cespedes was looking good, uh-huh. I would say his floor would be 120 games, but like 25 homers and 280, okay. which is pretty good. I'd, I'd lower the floor a little bit beneath in batting average, but I do absolutely see your point. And, and it's elevated compared to other players. And in a short year like this, I'm with you. I am growing more and more on board with Cespedes every day. I mean, just dump him at DH and let him slug. If it was 162, I'm out. I don't think he stays healthy for 162, but 60? Oh, I don't think he stays healthy for 60. But I don't know. Doesn't there have to be some concern? The guy's played 38 games in two years. He's 34, age 34 season. So he's not young and he hasn't played. Is he going to be able to catch up to 98-mile-an-hour fastballs when he hasn't seen them for two years? It's it's all fair. It's all fair. Uh, I mean, this has been an entire show on players that might be relevant for fantasy <laughs> baseball this year. Actually, like- Dave, Cespedes, Kemp, or Puig? Yeah, Cespedes without a doubt. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That's with a that. good. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good for what we've been doing here. I just think don't be so dismissive of Matt Kemp. They're going to play him. It's Kemp could be. Sensitive. I'm dismissive. They're going to be DHs, and one of them gets to play. Of course, look if in a week Kemp is over eight and they <laughs> and they release him, then I'll I'll admit I'm an idiot. But I'm just I I I wish I had bid a dollar on Kemp in NL labor. I didn't. I don't know who did. Somebody might have. It wasn't me. Kristen, before we get Kyle in here to ask the questions, please talk about ESPN's game. Uh, the first scoring period, what is that like? Um, roster lock for weekly leagues. 
Um, please, let's get it all out of the way now because on Thursday, it starts for good. Yes, it does. So it's an 11-day scoring period to begin this that counts the Thursday two games. You will only be allowed to set your lineups in a weekly scoring league once, and they will lock through Sunday, August 2nd. Any of the daily leagues are going to run as usual. The first game is at 7 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. So that will be the time that the Yankees and Nationals lineups lock, and each subsequent day, same story for those daily leagues and ESPN. If you draft after the point the season starts, whoever winds up in one of your active spots is going to stay there for the entirety of that first scoring period daily, just for the day, if it's a daily league for any day that's already passed, if it's weekly, it will lock in immediately for those 11 days. So those are the leagues in which to be very careful. And we should know you might not be able to manipulate that when you're in the middle of your draft. Okay. Not saying anything I shouldn't say here, but if you know that Puig is not going to play in week one, um, don't make him one of your active outfitters. Wait until you've already got five outfitters in a DH because it will automatically slot him into an active outfield slot. And remember that with DJ LeMayu, you might want to put him at a different position that you could draft him to, but it's going to put him in a certain spot. So in ESPN League. So just be careful with that as well. Um, okay, Kyle, please join us now. Let's get a couple hash browns in here. Uh, oh, we didn't do any trivia yet. I totally glossed oh, over right. that. Let's do it. Let's squeeze it in, and then we got we got Kyle joining us right in time. Yeah, sure. sure Tristan, I'll sing your trivia. song. Oh, trivia. Kyle's got trivia too. We've we've got dual trivia, trivia that no one will know. And he's dancing, people, on our squadcast while he's singing a song. It's That's it's like thing. watching it's like watching Sammy Davis Jr. back, uh, you know, thirty years ago or maybe sixty. I don't I don't know. He's old. <laughs> Is he alive? <laughs> All right, I'm dancing as I ask the question. Uh, so I was excited by Luis Robert, uh, Robert this weekend. Oh, Luis yes. Robert having the two big home runs. And, and I don't think this changes a lot for us fantasy-wise, but excitement about rookies is the topic for the trivia question. I would like you to name the six players who in their first 60 career major league games hit at least 20 home runs. There are six active players who hit at least 20 home runs in their first 60 major league games. I'd like you to name the six. All active. Who are they? 20 plus homers, first 60 major league games, all active. Wow. That's a lot of homers for 60 games. And there were... There are a couple who retired. Mark McGuire, Wally Berger were, were two of the, the retired ones. But there's six others, so they were active players. All right. Alonzo? Pete Alonzo is correct. One of them, he hit exactly 20. Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge is incorrect. He what? Hit oh, yeah, because he had the call up the year before. Well, a- Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols is incorrect. He hit 17. I'll go with Matt Olson. Matt Olson is also incorrect. He hit 18. Did Aquino get there last year? Who's that? For the Reds? I can't say his last name. Aristides Aquino. Aris- I don't think Aquino hit, hit 20. 19 home yeah. runs. Yeah, he didn't get to 20, right? He did not. He had 19 in his first 60. Oh, uh, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is correct. He has the most with 24. So we have two of the six. Wow. And I can start with hints if you'd like them. This is kind of hard. I can't believe it's guys. I mean, 20 home runs over 60 games. That's this is like, going to be a you guys will kick yourself when you hear that's a 50 guys. homer pace over uh, I'll give you, huh. I'll give you a hint number one. Uh, one of these players is his positions leader in home runs over the past three years. <laughs> Apparently, Arenado. we know nothing about baseball, Eric. It's not, not Arenado. Arenado. Nope, not Arenado. 
He was sub 15. I don't have the exact number. Trevor Story? No, but Trevor Story hit 16. Yeah, he had that hot start. Uh, one of these to give you another hint. Different guy <laughs> led the majors in slugging percentage as a rookie. And the other two spent part of their first years in the majors and the minors. One of them hit 50 homers in that year combined between majors and minors, and the other hit 47. And we can't think of them. Oh, my God. Why are these so hard, Eric? Why can't I? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. Okay. I, I, I can't Eric, think. Eric disappoints me greatly on one of them. Bryce Harper? No. No. Well, Ryan Howard's not active. It's not Ryan Howard. No, I mean, like, I would have thought, like, Shane Spencer. Oh, Reese, Reese Hoskins? Reese Hoskins hit 20 home runs at his oh, first Oh, yeah, game. he did. He's the one who had 47 between the majors and minors. There's a guy who had 50, and he did it pretty recently. I know. I've looked this guy up. I know who you're talking about, but I'm drawing a blank, so I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, he is on the 10-day IL <laughs> currently. Ooh, oh, that narrows it down. Joey and, Gallo. And he's he's probably going to be replaced by a very intriguing rookie this year at his position. <laughs> we talk about it a lot on the show. His, his potential sub is an intriguing fantasy option. Very intriguing. This guy's a DH. There is a first baseman and there is a catcher. Catcher? <laughs> Stop. Come on, and you're lying, Tristan. There's not a catcher who hit 20 home runs. Oh, There's, Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez hit 21 home runs. He's his position's leader in home yeah. runs for the past three years. There's been a lot of like guys that have come up and just torn it up the last few years, right? The other, yeah, they're all recent. The other you should all be disappointed not to recall because of how recently it happened, and this player hit 50 homers between the majors and minors last year. He hit 21 home runs in his first 60 games. He did it last year. He's on the I.L., He's going to be replaced by a very interesting fantasy rookie. He won some hardware. Oh, Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez hit 20 home runs. And the last one's a fun one. This is one of my favorite uh, historical guys. This guy's average in his career, 293 for batting average and 30 homers and 102 RBIs per year in his major league career so far. And he led the majors in slugging as a rookie. Not Miguel Cabrera. He's a first baseman. Has a tie to my question itself. It's not Gold, Goldschmidt? Wait, there's a first baseman who's averaged 30 and 100 for his career. There's a first baseman whose who's average numbers are 293, 30, and 102 for his major league career. He led the majors in slugging as a rookie. He's tied to something I said in the question. <laughs> <laughs> and what, not Freddie Freeman. No. No. Kevin Moss. No, but he actually is on the list somewhere. Uh, yeah, Jose Abreu type? Oh, Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu. Oh, yeah. yeah. He had that See, I, don't, I don't think of him uh, that way. Yeah, okay. You, you no, think very highly of Jose Abreu. Very underrated player. I do. Averages the giveaway, or the, That's uh, a good one. That's a good one, Tristan. That's a good question. Yeah, Jose, he had like 33 at the All-Star break his rookie year. Yeah. 21 home he runs. Was, first he year. was like 30 as a rookie. Like, what, like wasn't he like- <laughs> No, I think he's 32 right now. Okay. All right. I like it. Props to Tristan for a good one. That was a good one. All right. You want some hash browns? Real ones this time. I'm hungry. <laughs> and 
Anthony wants to know, who do you have ranked lowest in your points ranks? Harper, Devers, Torres, or Tatis? Who do you want least in a points league? Probably Tatis. The steals don't matter in a points league, and he's more likely to get hurt. But he also has the highest – he probably has the highest ceiling too. It's a risk. Tristan? Yeah, I think – I think for points, I probably haven't projected for the least. I, I think Taurus is in the ballpark for the low end of these. I mean, I think Harper you got to have. I, Harper's probably the first pick. He's durable, lots of power, lots of walks. That's what you want in a points league. Mm-hmm. Harper and Devers would be my first two choices there. It'd either be between if you want safety, Taurus is more likely to stay healthy, and you can play him at both middle infield spots. But Tatis' Tatis's ma- stolen bases, not a walker. The steals don't matter in a points league. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. I'd say you're, you're choosing between the middle infielders. I mean, Dave, you wrote about Tatis today. What do you think? I mean, like, we don't talk about him as he's a superstar if he stays healthy, but also is, it feels a little bit mean that we say he can't stay healthy. It's only like one year. Yeah, it's one year, you know, but he got hurt the year before in the minors also. Yeah, the strikeouts are very extreme. A lot of swing and miss. I don't think he's going to hit 317 again. I don't think he makes enough contact. Um, so I'm with you. I'd probably put Tatis last. And Bryce Harper, historically a very fast starter, you know, which could bode well for him for a great uh, two months. Zach's got a question about catchers. You guys often recommend waiting on one. Who do you find yourself ending up with at the end of most drafts when it comes to filling your catcher slot? Yeah, I like to wait uh, until the last round. Tristan's more likely to take Rio Muto or Sanchez or Grandel. So you start, Tristan. Why? Like, I obviously have a very extreme style and he's been standard one catcher leagues. And I'll be fine waiting until the last round for Carson Kelly, Christian Vasquez, the other Will Smith. But you're more likely to take a catcher in round 10. Why? In round 10, yeah, because uh, in the case of Real Muto and Sanchez, and I'd also put Yasmani Grandal in this, they're giving you such volume in the games they're healthy, just to be clear, in Sanchez's case. In the games they are healthy, they're giving you such a high level of volume that it does give you an advantage over the lower guys if you're trying to piece things together. And in Sanchez's case, just the, the power upside is immense. I'm more of a Real Muto or nothing. I'm an all-in or all-out of catchers, and the guy I've been trying to get in every draft is Carson Kelly. What about? Can I ask you guys where you have Mitch Garver rated? He's, he was so good last year. Yeah. They don't have Jason Castro. Did they sign somebody else? I don't know how much Garver is going to play. He was kind of a halftime player last year. But they brought in Avila too. Yeah, I think I mean, he's going to play a lot. That's the thing. I mean, Philadelphia is talking about Real Muto playing every single day, and when he's not the catcher, they can DH him or they can play him at first base for Hoskins. I kind of think Rio Muta might actually play close to 60 games. Yeah, um, I think they, I think that's the case with a lot of these. The star catchers are going to start 55 to 60 games. But we don't really view Garver that way. So when we mentioned the big, the first top tier of catchers that Tristan just mentioned with Real Muto, Sanchez, and Grandel, Garver is like number four. Mm-hmm. But should he be? I mean, he was so efficient last year, and that, a lot of that power came against Rihanna pitching. They can play him more if they want now. Why don't we view Garver in that top tier, Tristan? It's a good and fair question. And I do think very highly of the Twins and their whole approach to hitting overall, that I do think the power is sustainable from a team-wide perspective. And I've got Garver pretty close to Grandal. To me, it's that that first tier, 
Grundell might be like a 1A in that tier. And then I think Garver's the very solid number two tier all on his own. And then it's a big drop to me. Can, Wilson Contreras, you can make a case for. Salvador Perez, you can make a case for. Look, has looked decent in some of the games. But Garver's power potential, and I like the park for his swing. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. It's a good question. All right, we got two more here. A few questions came in on this. You guys discussed an innings limit last week. We had a bunch of questions about a limit at innings maximum for the season. How do you avoid against people just streaming like crazy and taking volume to get two categories? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I, I don't think I, I have any leagues that are innings maximums. Tristan, do you have any leagues like that? And what would you do with it? I don't. I have starts maximums I have in one league that I'm in. And I made the suggestion because the commissioner was pretty insistent that we don't just have free-for-all streaming. And I believe it was I wanted each spot to be allowed two starts uh, per week. So other than this first week, obviously. So you'd be looking at 14. I'd be looking at a cap at about 15 per week. So throw 150 if you're doing a full season starts cap for the season. I would not make it anything less than that. Give people their freedom to do this. And I, I should really follow up what we said last year about the minimums. We did not say the Tal Wars one. Our good friend Mike Gianella had pointed out what the limits are, and there isn't one. There isn't a minimum in Tal Wars for innings this season. All right. Of course, we've already drafted six months ago. Uh, Kyle, what's next? We've got the last one here. They want a sleeper and a bust from each one of you for the rest of the season. For 60 games, a sleeper and a bust. You each have 60 seconds to give me the case. Go. Dave, you're first. <laughs> oh, I'm first. Great. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, boy, put me on the spot. Well, is Mitch Garver a sleeper? I'm going. He is absolutely for real. He's going to play 50 games, and he's going to slug 587 this year. So draft Mitch Garver. Don't wait until the last round to draft Carson Kelly. Okay, Tristan, what do you got? I am really mad that I did not get Austin Voth in either of my drafts. Uh, I'm really mad about it. With Joe Ross sitting out, it locks in Voth as the fifth starter. And And Voth uh, came in for Scherzer in that game Saturday and looked great. Four great innings. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I, I picked Clevenger to win the AL Cy Young, but he's not a sleeper, but I have him in my top 10 starting pitchers. So I want to go a little bit deeper here, find a sleeper. See, a bus has to be a guy that you're going to take relatively early. Um, I, I hate I hate mentioning a bus because, like – Do your sleeper you know, first. Well, I mean, I, I could have easily said Austin Voth there. He's on my short list of players. I think Brian Reynolds is really good. Like, I, I think he, he's hitting – I think he wins a batting title at some point. He looks like he's that good. I mean, I have Julio Orius as a big sleeper. I think Julio Orius is going to be great. He's going in like round 16. I'm moving him up. A.J. Puck made Oakland's rotation, people. He's going to be really good. There's no innings limitation on him. Aaron Hicks is a starting center fitter for the Yankees. No limitations. He's going to hit. I mean, I see you've moved him up in your rankings, Tristan. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I think a lot of cl- – oh, Howie Kendrick, I'm getting him everywhere. Even at first base, I don't care. First base stinks after round 10. Howie Kendrick is my starting first baseman. Sign me up. Nick Solak, love him. Um, Garrett Hampson, unfortunately, would be a bust because they're going to play Matt Camp. <laughs> Everybody seems to like Rich Hill. Rich Hill can't stay healthy, people. Maybe he starts in, next week, but maybe he doesn't the week after. Um, other busts. I mean, Malik. Matt Camp. Matt Camp. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> could be. Could be. But yeah, we weren't talking about him a week ago. So the fact we're even talking about him is interesting. I think Fran Mill's hitting like 25 home runs. Wow. Oh, I like it. So here's here's, based on Tristan's trivia, Mm -hmm. which rookie is going to come up this year and hit 20 home runs in 60 games? Dylan Carlson. Which rookie is going to do it? I mean, these guys who did it were all rookies, right? Well, obviously, because it's his first 60 games. So, Luis Robert, is he going to hit 20? I, that seems a little high. Well, so Robert is on the White Sox roster right now. Right. He's already signed to a long-term deal. He'll be on the opening day. I, I think Dylan Carlson right now could be a top 30 fantasy outfielder. I am drafting him in all my leagues. I think he – I don't think anybody's stealing 15 bases. But to me, Carlson has a shot here at major power – and stolen base potential right away. So Carlson, I've read his exit velocities in the minors are not anything special. So I don't know if there's big power potential there. I think Dave is on this show just to poop on everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> but his stat, his stat line is phenomenal. So that's one you go with the stats, you go with the metrics. That's fair. It's a good debate. I, I so want to jump to Jared Kalanick here. I'm really They're glad we got the name in the chat. No, I really, I want to. If I, if I felt confident they would give him the playing time, I might go all in there. Why would they? They, they wouldn't. This is the problem. I don't see a guy who has that natural power sl- swing like a lot of these past rookies who could get to yeah, 20. I, I see the, the, the sleeper rookie to me is Brendan Rodgers. They're not going to play him. They're playing guys like Matt Kemp, but and Daniel it, Murphy. But the, but to the point about Matt Matt Kemp is that anybody who falls into regular at bats in Colorado at any point, you got to get right in on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see how that. About, but... uh, how about Kyle Lewis as a sleeper rookie? Yeah, he's you know, been impressive he... in camp. His minor league numbers are terrible. His Double A parks a tough home run part. There's a lot of swing and miss, bad strike zone judgment, but big power. You know, former number one you know, first round pick, he's going to play in Seattle. He's, he's a lot like Fran Mo Reyes to me. Yeah. That is a lot of power, but more of a floor for batting average because at least Fran Mo could take a walk while he's striking out. Kyle Lewis is not sure. Kyle Lewis might have like a 4% walk rate people. Yeah. But that is a lot of natural power. That's actually a good guess for the home runs right away. I can see that. Nobody's hitting 20 home runs, but. At all Kyle majors. Lewis, that's a lot of home runs. It is like a fifty-three. Right what is it? What a fifty-three home run pace or something over one sixty-two. Nobody's hitting twenty home runs this season. And by the way, every team has twelve guys in the bullpen. You are not seeing the same relief pitcher twice in any game. So even Peter Alonso is. I don't think anybody's hitting twenty home runs. It's a lot of home that's, runs. That's a great. That is a great point for neutralizing the home run leaders, as I think we see last year where the homer numbers are still insane, but not at the high level. 54 would be the projected number. I mean, why would Yelich face any right-handed pitching in the final three innings unless it's Kirby Yates? Like, why would any team not throw a lefty at him or Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper is going to face only – the Mets have lefties. He is facing only Sean Doolittle in the late innings of a game. Why would they throw a right-hander at him? I've got one. Yeah, for you. I mean, early on, the rosters eventually whittled down to twenty six. After I forget what. Yeah, the but I'm not sure they're taking was. reliever. Like 
they, when they go from 30 to 26, only one relief pitcher comes off the board. It's it's the third catcher. It's the right. sixth outfielder. No, you're right. Yeah, that 26 guy is going to be a reliever. 13 pitchers are going to be on the active 26-man roster, and eight or nine are going to be relief pitchers. But that's a good question, though, Eric. How many lefties? Because you got to face three batters. Yeah. Unless the inning ends. So. Yeah. If you're facing Bryce Harper, you got to face Reese Hoskins and Real Muto. Yeah. I'm not sure how that's going to play out exactly. I do have a a sleeper 20 homer rookie, but he could be neutralized by Eric's relief thing. Sutsugo of the Rays. Right. It's like the Abreu, the Jose Abreu thing. It's I don't I don't think of him as a rookie because he's not a kid. He's right. almost our age. But he's yes. In a, he's in the wrong ballpark for power. To your point about bullpens, the competitiveness of the Eastern divisions, those I'm not I'm not projecting him anywhere near there, but he has a power swing. Well, now he's gonna get six home games in Buffalo. Um, that is about all for today's show. We're going a little bit long here today. Poor Kyle. We should be nicer to Kyle and Poopy Dave. Um, Dave, what else are you writing this week? Please tell us what's going to be showing up on ESPN's MLB pages. Uh, well, we're just working on, uh, you know, our preview stuff. I got it. What's the big question for every team? So, like for the Phillies, I haven't written them yet. What is the question for 2020? It's really Real Milto's contract. <laughs> <But it> should, <laughs> Can they re-sign him? Yeah. It should be, do they have any right-handed relief pitching? Yeah. Other than okay. even including Hector Neris. I don't know how they're going to get through the season's bullpen. Their bullpen is horrific. So you're more worried about the bullpen than the rotation? Yeah. At least you got two good starters. Well, yeah. hey, it's Velasquez learned a new pitch, Dave. Ah. So he's going to be great this year. <laughs> I don't, They're not winning the division. So I, I just want to enjoy it while I can. Tristan, do you have any final thoughts here? What's the biggest <laughs> thing for the Yankees? Stan and Judge's health, I guess. Stan and Judge's health is pretty huge. Actually, health overall is pretty huge. you got to keep guys like Paxton huge, uh, healthy in order to get through the Your full. closer season. has to stay healthy. I mean, there's a lot of health issues on the Yankees. Yeah. So. I mean, they have they have the bullpen depth at least to, to get by in Chapman's absence. And I'll throw out from mind that the forecaster is scheduled for tomorrow for week one. For Tuesday. Wow. Okay, great. Tristan's very ready. busy today. Yeah, so long as we can get all the rotations announced. Teams, help me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they seem in no hurry to do that. Uh, okay, our next show is scheduled for Thursday. Might be even something a little bit special on Thursday as well. It's opening day. Max Scherzer throwing out the first pitch to maybe Mike Tockman. That should be a lot of fun. I don't know. Who, who's the Yankees' leadoff hitter? It was Tockman this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, typically it would be LeMahieu. You could throw Aaron Hicks in there too. Yeah, it's gonna, I can't wait for real baseball, although I watched real baseball yesterday. It was real. Uh, thank you so much, Dave Schoenfeld. You are awesome. Read his stuff at ESPN. He'll be back with us next Monday, unless we angered him too much. Kyle, great job out of you. Football season is here as well. And uh, uh, the ice cream hangover guy, Tristan H. Cockcroft, happy that baseball has returned. I'm Eric Carroll. Please have an awesome and safe masked week.